Welcome to the Sermon Audio Podcast of Hill Country Bible Church, Georgetown. The podcast bringing you biblical messages that encourage you to put Christ at the center of everyday life. We're here to help you engage in the local church and to invite you into a life that matters through Jesus. If you have any questions about your next step, visit us online at hillcountry.life. And now for today's message. Well, good morning. I want to welcome you all here in this room and everybody watching online as well. We're so glad you've chosen to worship and study God's Word with us. And uh, hey, I just want to let you know this room looks pretty full here. We had a packed house over at Sun City this morning. Yeah, yeah. In fact, two or three or four times they had to bring out more chairs in the middle of my message. They're dragging chairs and everything. So that's really, really good news. And before we get started this morning, I want to do something. I don't typically do this, but God kind of prompted me to do this. I want to ask you to pray for me. Uh, Some of you who know me know that I've had some degenerative discs in my neck, and I've been battling that for a while, and I'm seeing a doctor, you know, doing the physical therapy, chiropractic stuff. So I'm doing all the medical stuff, but God's like, have you asked the people to pray for you? I'm like, hmm, I'm a pastor. That would be a good idea. So if you don't mind praying for me, I'd really, really appreciate that. You know, the Bible says the prayers of righteous people are powerful and effective. So I get to see just how righteous our congregation is. Okay, I'll be judging my neck, and I'll give you some reports on that. But uh, also, if you see me craning my neck, I'm not working on new dance moves, okay? It's involuntary. A lot of times, I don't even know what I'm doing. I'm just trying to get some relief. My body's doing that. All right, so as we get started this morning, how about we play a little game, all right, a little interaction here. This will be fun. I'm going to share some facts with you, and then you're going to try to guess what I'm referring to, and I'll, I'll give you a little hint up front. It's an emotion, all right? A couple facts. Whether they're aware of it or not, everyone experiences this from time to time. It affects 31% of men and 45% of women in America in a fairly significant way. Severe cases jumped from 8.2% pre-COVID to 36% after COVID. That's quadruple. And then finally, treatments include everything from counseling to medications to supplements to exercise to prayer to meditation. Any guesses? (laughs) Anxiety. Somebody said anxiety up there. That's it. Yep. We're in this series on emotions and All right, so I'll just tell you very honestly up front here. You know, I love Jesus. I faithfully follow him. But I still battle from time to time with feelings of anxiety. You know, there are times when I wake up in the middle of the night with this massive weight of my workload and my mind locks into all my responsibilities, all the stuff I have to do. And I I find myself up at 3 a.m. fighting to calm my spirit. And to be clear, I love Jesus. I faithfully follow him. But even as a pastor, I sometimes battle these feelings of anxiety. And my guess is that most of you in here can relate to what is sometimes just a natural physiological response to stress in your life. But if we don't learn how to properly manage anxiety, it can begin to control all areas of our lives, not just our sleep. You know, I was watching the series, The Chosen, the other night, which, by the way, if you haven't seen that, it's really worth checking out. Kind of walks through the whole life of Jesus and the Gospels. And what stood out to me was at night when Jesus would go to bed, he would pray this prayer. And he would thank God for being the Lord who gives his people rest and sleep. Isn't that an awesome prayer to pray? We ought to pray that every single night. In fact, it's kind of fascinating. Do you know the one animal that battles anxiety and restlessness more than any other animal struggles to sleep even at night? It's not dogs, okay? Dogs doze. It's not bears. Bears hibernate. The cat invented the cat nap, so it can't be that. Sloths, I read, they they sleep over 20 hours a day. 
Most animals know how to rest, but there is one exception. Okay, these creatures are woolly, simple-minded, and slow. And you ladies are thinking, husbands on Saturday, let's see. (laughs) Any guesses? Sheep. Yep, it's sheep. Which is really, really interesting when you consider the fact that the animal, of all the animals in the world, the animal that God compares us to the most is, take a guess, sheep. See, chances are most of us can relate to this whole emotion of anxiety and restlessness. Unfortunately, this past year, more than ever before, because everybody knows that 2020 was like the longest year in history, and it felt like 17 years in one. I mean, it's just amazing. And I don't know if you've thought forward or not, but I'm convinced that 2020 is going to become an adjective in the future. Like people are going to say, don't you go all 2020 on me, man. I mean, you're acting so 2020 right now. I can just feel it coming because this past year was this crazy feeling with all this massive fear and anxiety. I mean, you had this mysterious virus that spread like wildfire across the globe, shutting everything down, disrupting everything you knew as normal. And then you got to add to that massive economic fears, racial tension, political division, biased news, people freaking out, posting all these conspiracy theories. I mean, it's no wonder so many people were feeling anxious and lonely and unsettled, just searching for some sense of normal, some sense of calm in the midst of it all. And so we're in this series called How's Your Heart? Yeah, series called How's Your Heart? And we're taking a look at the emotions Jesus felt, a few of them. And today, what we're going to do is we're going to talk about anxiety. Okay, these are all emotions that Jesus felt or expressed. And as we talk about anxiety, I want to say up front that anxiety is very, very complicated. You need to know anxiety can be physiological. It can be emotional. It can be situational. Anxiety can be spiritual as well. And so as we talk about anxiety, I want to take a holistic approach, which means you might want to go to your doctor and your doctor might uncover some physiological reasons for anxiety. And then he might prescribe some medication or nutritional supplements. You might want to go see a counselor about your anxiety. The only thing I'm qualified to talk about is the spiritual arena. And that's what I'm going to address today, a spiritual perspective of how Jesus dealt with anxiety. Now, as we talk about anxiety in a Christian, it kind of raises the question, if I'm feeling anxious, am I letting God down? Like, am I not living by faith? Is it a sin to feel anxious? And I want to say very, very clearly up front that anxiety is not necessarily a sin. It's a little bit like anger. Okay, anger in and of itself is not sin, but it can lead to sin. See, the Bible says, in your anger, do not sin. And just like anger, anxiety can and often does lead to sin. But just because you're feeling anxious in the moment doesn't mean you're letting God down. The bottom line is this. There's a difference between anxiety or stress and worry. There's a difference between anxiety and worry. Anxiety can be normal. Worry is bad. In fact, it might surprise you, but when you look at Jesus, the perfect son of God, and you objectively observe what he endured, Jesus experienced some intense feelings of anxiety when he looked ahead to what he would have to endure on the cross. I preached a message on this a couple months back in our Easter series. And for more details on the differences between the physiological phenomena of anxiety and worry, I would encourage you to check it out. It's called The Garden. 
Because you see, in the Garden of Gethsemane, as Jesus looked ahead to the suffering he would have to endure, dying for our sins on the cross, he got anxious. And today, what I want to do is I want to look specifically at how Jesus responded to anxiety. And I'll tell you, over the years, I've preached a whole bunch of messages on anxiety, how to deal with anxiety, but this one's going to be a little different. You know, amazingly, up until the last couple of weeks, I had never really looked at the action steps that Jesus took when anxiety hit him. And what I uncovered is pretty cool, people. Three very powerful ways that Jesus dealt with anxiety. And I've started to apply these in my life. They're pretty amazing. So, so pay attention. This is some good stuff. All right, first of all, whenever Jesus felt anxious, you know what he did? He did what a lot of my extroverted friends do. He talked. That's going to be our main point today. Believe it or not, when Jesus got anxious, he talked. Now, some people can just talk and talk and talk, right? You guys know anybody like that? Okay, go ahead and raise your hand. Don't don't nudge them. Don't look at them. Why are some of you looking at me that way? That's what I want to know. That is not nice. Hey, I'm paid to talk, okay? That's my excuse. But anyway, I know some really talkative, talkative people. I'm just not going to name any names. Greg, I love you, brother. Anyhow, but when Jesus felt anxious, he talked. He talked back. He had something to say whenever he was anxious. And today, as we look at how Jesus wrestled with and overcame anxiety, I'm gonna give you three specific areas that you can talk to from the life of Jesus to help you find relief from anxiety. All right, so pay attention here. The first thing that we see Jesus do that we might want to do ourselves, is to talk to friends. Talk to your friends. You know, whenever you're feeling anxious, whenever you're feeling overwhelmed, when you feel that heaviness, when you feel that weight, you know, it's really good to go to godly, wise people, to helpful friends. And let me give you the context of Jesus's conversation in Mark chapter 14. Jesus has just finished the Last Supper. And so he's with his small group. This is his group of disciples, the 12. These are his closest friends. And one of his 12, Judas, has just slipped away to go and betray Jesus. You can just imagine the hurt and the anxiety that that would cause. But then Jesus takes three of his closest buddies, and he goes to the Garden of Gethsemane, and he's going to pray. And this is Mark 14, verse 32 says, they went to a place called Gethsemane, and Jesus said to his disciples, sit here while I pray. He took Peter, James, and John along with him, and he began to be deeply distressed and troubled. The perfect, sinless son of God was deeply distressed and troubled. Now, if we were to flip over to the gospel of Luke, by the way, people, Luke was a doctor, so he knew about medical conditions. And he's going to point out to us that Jesus suffered from a medical condition known as hematidrosis. Okay, do you know what that is? It's when you become so anxious that you actually sweat drops of blood. So when Mark says he was deeply distressed and troubled, he means it. And I wonder if any of you have ever been in a place like that, like a place where you're deeply distressed and troubled. Maybe you're there right now. You know, a place where your heart is beating and it's racing and it's hard to catch your breath with with darkness and panic all around. I mean, he sank into this dark hole of dreadful agony. And you got to ask the question, why did that happen? Well, Jesus was the God-man. 
Okay, he was God in the flesh. So he was able to look ahead. He knew the horror of what was about to take place. That even though he was innocent, he was going to be betrayed. He was going to be arrested. He was going to be tortured. And then he was going to die a death by crucifixion, the most painful and completely humiliating way to die. He knew all that lied ahead of him. But that wasn't the worst of it. The worst of it was this. Jesus was sinless. He was perfect. He had never known sin before. And yet he was about to become sin, the Bible says, as a sacrifice for our sins. Now that kind of goes beyond my ability to even comprehend or explain. But if you can imagine this, the perfect sinless son of God who enjoyed absolute, complete, harmonious fellowship with his father for all eternity was about to become, you name it, murder, abuse, Hatred, violence, racism, envy, lying, lust. He would become all that. Holiness becoming filthiness. The one who had never sinned became sin. And because of that, his heavenly father, who he had walked with and talked with for all eternity, would turn away. It's assumed that God in his holiness would not look on that sin. And Jesus would cry out in his pain and suffering, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me. Daddy, daddy, where are you? And this is amazing. In the middle of that sinkhole of emotional agony, Jesus showed raw honesty with his friends. I don't know that we're very good at doing that, just being totally, absolutely honest. You know, you ever notice that that Christians are are sometimes some of the best at lying, right? (laughs) I call it our praise the Lord voice. You know, you ask somebody, how are you doing? Praise the Lord, I'm fine. How are you doing? Glory to God, I'm great. I mean, we just kind of fake it with others. Now watch Jesus here. He doesn't do that. He doesn't fake it. Watch the raw, transparent honesty toward his friends. I love this. Here's what he says. My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch. In other words, I ache so much on the inside, I don't know if I can survive it. Would you guys just stay here and keep watch? I need you more than I can even describe, Jesus says. See how he talked to his friends? See how he expressed it? I believe one of the biggest reasons so many people are anxious today is because they're lacking authentic Christian community. I honestly believe that. And there are so many people who are full of stress and they're fearful and they're unsettled and you're vulnerable to whatever the latest rumor of bad news is because you're lacking godly, encouraging, uplifting community from the body of Christ. In fact, my guess is it's gonna take years for us to look back on this past season and get an accurate picture of what quarantine isolation has done to the emotional psyche of a whole generation. Because if you go back to the very beginning of the Bible, the very original story, remember what God said? It's not good to be isolated. It's not good to be disconnected. God said it's not good that man should be alone. In fact, who is Jesus? He's the incarnation of God, Emmanuel, God with us. In other words, God didn't just shout his love from heaven. He showed his love on earth. He came to be with us. That's the power of with, and that is the body of Christ. 
And that's why the number one thing I've heard from people who have come back to church after months and months and months of isolation, when they walk through the doors, they're so emotional. And person after person has said, I just can't believe how much I've missed being with the people of God. I've missed being with my church family. Folks, there is something about experiencing the presence of God together. You are not made to be alone. You know, it's a little bit like the difference between praying for and praying with. If you post something on social media, you say, pray for me, I promise you, if I see it, I will pray for you. And you can know, oh, Brian prayed for me, and that's special. But if we get together, and like we're face-to-face, we're holding hands, and we're not just praying for each other, we're praying with each other, there's something powerful about experiencing God's presence together. And so Jesus, the perfect, sinless son of God, says to his friends, I need you. He talks to his friends and says, this is crushing me. I don't know if I can make it. Would you guys just sit close by me here? Please, please pray for me. My soul is overwhelmed with grief. People, when you're feeling anxious, the first thing you need to do is what Jesus did here. You need to get some godly friends around you. You need to talk to them. You need to get them to pray for you. Now, the second thing you need to do is you need to talk to your father. And by that, I mean your heavenly father. Now, let me just uh, explain it to you this way. I don't know if this creates anxiety in you, but it does me. Don't you hate it when you get the little red warning indicator lights on the dashboard of your car, right? I mean, does that freak you out a little bit? You know, I get, like, I got the little red exclamation point, which I thought for sure meant my car is now doomed to hell, okay? Somebody said, no, it's just low tire pressure. And I was like, phew. You get the check engine like, ah, what is that? Check engine, ka-ching, ka-ching, money. Well, that little red indicator light, that's not the problem, is it? Now, the little red indicator light is just a signal alerting that that there is a problem, that you might want to take your car in to somebody who knows how to fix it. Well, what is anxiety? It's a little signal. It's a little indicator that there's a problem that it's time to go to God, it's time to talk to him, it's time to take whatever's on your heart, whatever's on your mind, to God. In fact, Paul wrote this classic line to the Philippian church. He said, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. In everything, pray. In every situation, pray. In other words, if it's big enough to worry about, it's big enough to pray about. If it's big enough to worry about, it's big enough to pray about. Whatever's on your heart or mind, take it to God. Now, if you're worried about your marriage, pray about your marriage. If you're worried about the economy, pray about the economy. If you're worried about politics, pray about politics. If you're worried about your job, pray about your job. You know, if, if you're worried about your kids and sending your kids to school or not sending your kids to school, you can pray about that. If you're worried about somebody getting sick, pray about it. If you get sick and you're worried, but it's not about the virus, it's about somebody shoving that stick up your nose to tickle your brain, okay? You're worried it's gonna come out the other side of your head, just pray about it, right? I've been telling people for months for this past year, just pray. If it's big enough to worry about, it's big enough to pray about. What is anxiety? It's a signal alerting you that it's time to pray. So Jesus, he talked to his friends and he talked to his heavenly father. Verse 35, going a little farther, he fell to the ground and prayed that if possible, 
the hour might pass from him. Abba, Father, he said, everything is possible for you. Take this cup from me. Please, I don't want to suffer this way. I don't feel like suffering this way. I love this prayer about Jesus. You know what I love about it? It is so authentic. It is so honest. It is so real. It wasn't like some memorized prayer. Yeah, I think one of the mistakes we make is when we teach our children just to pray memorized prayers, rote prayers. And I'm not saying that they're all bad, but some of the prayers we teach our children, dear God in heaven, who came up with those, right? I mean, the first prayer that I ever prayed was a terrifying prayer. And I know I've shared this with some of you before, but they say it's therapeutic to talk it out. So can you guys just be my therapy group this morning? All right. And you're going to know this. Yeah. Now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. If I should die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take. Yeah, I got to ask the question, who thought that was a good idea to teach a four-year-old? <laughs> yeah, I want to meet the guy, just a, you know, just a holy smack in love, right? I mean, who thought that was a good idea? Jimmy, you're going to sleep now, and guess what? You might die tonight when you sleep. Yeah. And, and, and if you die, somebody's going to take your soul, okay? So you better pray that it's God, because if it's the other guy, he's taking your soul somewhere. Who thought that was a good idea? Jesus doesn't pray some rote, memorized, God is great, God is good. No, he cries out to God from the depths of his heart. And people, hear me, that's what God wants from you. He wants to hear your heart. Peter said to cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. You might cry out to God, I don't think I can take this anymore. You know, trust me, I promise you, God would rather you be honest and unleash on him than to be some fake hypocrite and just walk away. He's big enough to handle the hurt in your soul. And guess what? Big surprise, he already knows it's there. So cast your cares on him. There is something healing about telling God when you're anxious, when you're doubtful, when you're confused, when you're upset at the way things are. Jesus can handle your honesty. Father, things are falling apart right now. I'm having a really hard time trusting you. Now, I know you could have done something, but you didn't. Where are you? Why are you allowing this to happen, Lord? Now, that's real, real honesty. Jesus says, this is crushing me. I know what's coming, and I don't like it. Father, if there's any other way, I'm begging you, let's do it another way. What do you do when you have freedom and your mind is racing and your heart is beating? You take it to God. So when anxiety strikes, when anxiety strikes, what do you do? You talk about it. You get some godly friends around you, and you talk to them about it. You get them to pray for you. And then you talk honestly with God. You cry out to God. And then the final thing we see in the life of Jesus that you need to do when you're feeling anxious is you talk to your feelings. Yeah, you heard me right. You talk to your feelings. Now, I've got a question for you. Just be honest. Does anyone else in here ever have whacked out, jacked up, wayward feelings every now and then? Would you just raise your hand with me for just a second? Yeah. <laughs> There's way more than that. I know there is. I'm not kidding anyone. 
I've got to share this with you. Every once in a while, I will hear somebody say, you know what? Trust your feelings. Just, just follow your heart. Don't do that, okay? If some, of you, some of you, if you follow your feelings, you're going to be in jail by 2 o'clock. I promise you. <clears throat> and I'll be joining you around 4, okay? I'm just a little bit more. Yeah. Don't just trust your feelings. Don't just follow your feelings. You are not your feelings. Now, don't hear me wrong. I, feelings are real. Feelings are important, but feelings lie. Feelings don't always speak the truth. What you need to do is you need to tell your feelings, you don't get to lead me. What you need to do is you have to speak truth to your feelings. And what I mean by that is you tell your feelings, you're not the boss of me. Just because I'm feeling this doesn't mean it's true. And you know that because how many times have you felt all jacked up, right? You're worried, you're obsessing over something and it never, ever, ever happens. No, you talk to your feelings about the truth. You share your faith with your feelings. It's exactly what Jesus does here. Check this out. He said, Abba, Father, everything is possible for you. Take this cup from me. Okay, that's what I want. That's what I'm feeling right now. I don't want to do this. I am not feeling this. But then I'm going to say to my feelings, yet not what I will but what you will. What did Jesus feel like in that moment? He didn't feel like suffering. No. He didn't wake up saying, I want to be rejected, abused, and falsely accused. I want to be physically beaten, stripped of my clothes, hang naked and ashamed on a cross. I want to pay a price for a crime I didn't even commit. I want to experience physical pain and emotional distance from my father. He never felt that. So you talk to your feelings. You tell your feelings what's true. So whenever you're feeling like, hey, you know what? Maybe, maybe God doesn't even love me. No, 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 no. Is God is love. For God so loved the world. For God so loved me that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. What do you mean God doesn't love you? God loves you unconditionally more than you could even imagine. Or you feel like, you know what? Uh, I, don't, I don't have anybody. No, nobody cares about me. You know, I'm all alone. No, no, no. God has given you all the right people in your life. And besides, you say, my Lord is my provider. He will not leave me or forsake me. That's the truth. That's what you got to talk back to your feelings. Whenever you're worried about your finances and you say, oh my gosh, there's more month than there is money. You come back and you tell yourself, now my God is my provider. And he's promised to meet all my needs according to his glorious riches. Some of you, you need to tell your feelings to get in line. Say, feelings, you don't get to drive me. You are not the boss of me. I'm leading you to the truth. I'm leading you back to my faith. Here's the truth. Just because I'm feeling this doesn't mean it's true. What did Jesus do? He talked to his friends, his father, and his feelings. And guess what? It worked. It worked. Think about it. Jesus stumbled into the garden under the weight of crushing anxiety. But he talked to his friends, he talked to his father, and he talked to himself, correcting his own feelings. And so when the soldiers came to arrest him, when they beat him mercilessly, when they falsely accused him, when they executed him with excruciating pain on a cross, what did Jesus do? How did he respond? He was strong. He was full of faith. He was determined unshakable. In fact, he said, no one takes my life from me. 
I choose to lay it down. And then hanging there on a cross with people mocking him and spitting on him, he looked up to heaven and said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they're doing. And then he said, it is finished. I did what you sent me to do. And he gave up his life. What Jesus did worked. What he did worked. So how do we deal with anxiety? First of all, you get some godly friends and you pull them in close and you talk to them and you get them to pray for you. Second, you cry out to God honestly from the heart. You talk to God. And then finally, you talk to your feelings. You say, you're not the boss of me. The spirit of God lives in me and he's promised me that I will have all the strength I need for life and godliness. So my feelings right now, they're lying, but God's word is the truth. So the Apostle Paul wrote these words from a Roman prison, by the way. Don't be anxious about anything. Now, we could put some words in there for you. I don't know what it would be for you. Don't be anxious about sickness. Don't be anxious about politics. Don't be anxious about the economy. Don't be anxious about the future. Don't be anxious about the decisions your child is making. Don't be anxious about your marriage. Don't be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And watch this. It's the very same thing Jesus experienced. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. The peace of God will guard you. Will you pray with me? Father God, That's what we want. Ultimately, in the midst of the turmoil, whatever anxiety, restlessness, stress, whatever it may be, we want your peace. And it's a peace that we can't muster up ourselves. It's not a peace that the world gives us. It's a peace that can only come from you. But because of that, nobody can take it away either. So God, I pray that you would give us that peace. I pray that we would follow the example that Jesus set here. And it's been amazing to me just to look at this and to really break it down. God, I pray that when we feel anxious, we would have friends that we would talk to. That we would talk to you, God. And that we would talk back to those feelings inside of us that we know are lies and replace those lies with the truth of your word. And as we do that, just like it worked for Jesus, it will work for us, God. The peace of God will surround us. God, I pray that you would give us the strength by your Holy Spirit to do just that. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right, guys, as we dismiss this morning, I just want to encourage you to pray about this, okay? Take this to heart, and I don't know when you're going to feel anxious again. Sooner or later, something's going to hit you. And just remember, what are the three things? Say them with me. Friends, God, and feelings, right? Friends, yeah, Father, and feelings. There you go. You got it? One more time. Friends, father, feelings. Have a great week, people.